prepared this message, uh, and I've got a, just a short message that's going to go along with uh, communion this morning. But one of the things that I think is, is important that we understand and we tie it to is that we understand that the um, communion is tied back to the Old Testament. Oh, excuse me just a second. Kids, you are dismissed. And we got a lot of you guys this morning. Let's give them a hand as they leave. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Woo. My wife is going to be in for it today. Just all you guys can all be thankful we're in here. <laughs> the Ark of the Covenant, the chest containing the two stones, stone tablets inscribed by the Ten Commandments, was the most sacred object of the tabernacle and later in the temple in Jerusalem. It was the place in the inner court where the Holy of Holies was. On top of this Ark was a lid called the mercy seat. That's where the two seraphim were placed. It was in this place on the mercy seat that rested the cloud and the visible symbol of God's divine presence. Here God was seated, and from this place He dispensed mercy to man when the blood of atonement was sprinkled on that ark. In a manner of speaking, the mercy seat concealed the people of God from an ever-condemning judgment of law. Each year on the Day of Atonement, the high priest entered the Holy of Holies and sprinkled the blood of animals, sacrificed for atonement of the sins of the people. It was sprinkled on this mercy seat. This point conveyed by imagery is, is for us to understand that it is only by the offering of blood that the condemnation of the law could be taken away and the violations of what God needed to do for us, He did for us through this. The Greek word for mercy seat in Hebrews 9.5 is hestaloron, which means to make expiation or appropriation. Appropriation means a turning away of God's wrath by offering. In relation to this relationship with us, this means God's satisfying God's wrath on our behalf. That's what had to happen in the Old Testament. It carries with the idea of the removal of sin. See, the brazen altar of sacrifice was also called in Ezekiel 43.13. It was called there the Hilstoron, which means that he was saying is that when this brazen altar of sacrifice was, was the actual, the mercy seat for us. So the Greek, and, and if you look at this in the Greek translation, they're actually telling us that the shedding of blood it was so important to God that it was what it is what was allowed us to even approach God. It was the very thing. The sprinkling of blood on this mercy seat was the very thing. So what is the significance for us today? I want you to understand today that the tie between the Old Testament and the New Testament in this area, Paul explains it like this in Romans three twenty four. He says, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate His righteousness at the present time so as to be just to the one who justifies those who have faith. In Jesus Christ. What I'm telling you this morning is that the, the sacrifice that Jesus made for us 
did more than satisfy, like the, in the Old Testament, that mercy seat. But I think it's important that we tie what those Old Testament things, those, those symbols that we saw, to what's going on with us today. The ties between the Old Testament and the New Testament exemplify today is that God's mercy is still enough for us. Our communion today, as recognized in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 20 says, and says that, So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks of the cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine himself before they eat the bread and they drink of the cup. Here in, this, in our church, we, we celebrate open communion, which means that anybody, anybody can partake of communion. And, and, and by that partaking, the only requirement is, is that you are of the body of Christ. But what I want you to understand today is, Paul was telling us something here. He was saying, listen, but what I want you to do is I want you to examine yourself before you partake. I don't want you to come in here loosely. I don't want you to come in here. I want you to understand that these things, that these elements that we take today, they're not just symbols, but they are actually us partaking of Christ. No, it does not turn into, it's not transubstantiation. It doesn't turn into the blood and it doesn't turn into, the bread doesn't turn into His body. But what we are doing is we're partaking of Christ. He is the one. He is the one seated at the table with us today. And so as we get ready for communion, what I want you to do just for a moment is the Bible says if we examine ourselves, then we won't be guilty. You know, if we examine ourselves firsthand, then, then we won't be built guilty of what's gonna, what, what could take place after that. So as we get ready for communion this morning, I, as I, the men get ready, if you guys would come, what I want you to do right now is just take a moment, close your eyes, bow your head. I want you just to speak with the Lord. Make sure that there's nothing... If there is open sin in your life, I want you to ask God to forgive you. If there's unconfessed sin in your life, I want you to ask God to forgive you. In the darkness where everything is unknown, I face the power of sin on my own.
said to his disciples, he says, this is my body, which will be broken for you. This symbolizes and is a, a respecter of, of what God has done for us. His the stripes that were bore on his back were for our salvation, but not just for salvation, but it was for healing our bodies, our minds, our spirits. All of that was encompassed in what he did. The blood of bulls could never do that. Heavenly Father, right now, we just thank you for your broken body. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you made the sacrifice for us. And Lord, as we partake of you today, Lord, we, we know, Lord, that your word says that you told us, you told your disciples, and they didn't understand when they said you would have to eat my flesh, you would have to, you would have to drink my blood. They didn't understood what, understand what they, you were saying, but today we understand, Lord, that we have to be we are identifying ourselves with you. We do this in remembrance of you. Go ahead and partake. The Bible says that likewise after supper, he took the cup and he divided it among his disciples. And he said, this cup is a covenant between you and I. He said, this blood, this, the blood that will be shed for you will be for the remission of sins. Today, as we partake of Christ, we're saying, you know what? We're identifying with him. We're saying, you know what, Lord? I understand what you did on the cross for me. That blood that you shed was for my salvation, for my healing. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your blood. We thank you for your blood of your son that was poured out on the cross of Calvary for us. Lord, I pray this morning that you would reveal it to us. Lord, that we would not just take it for granted. 
But Lord, as we have examined ourselves, and Lord, as we've come into this place of unity right now together as one body, we do so partake of you in your name. The Bible says in Luke 5, 17, that on a certain day it came to pass, and as he was teaching, there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. During this prayer service this morning, what I want to do is I want to just take a moment, because we have partaken of Christ I'm asking you this morning to come into agreement with me as we pray for the needs of others. We've seen, you've heard the testimonies of those who have have seen the healing work of God in their life. Matthew 18, 19, it says this again, I truly tell you, if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. What was he saying when he said that? He says, when you come into agreement, he's used this Greek word here. It means... It actually means together with and a voice, to sound off with a voice. So, the voicing the same opinion because of like-mindedness. I heard Gerald say that in his message a couple weeks ago. He said, you know what? There's nothing wrong. If you want to, you want to continue to propel your pastor, you say amen. There is something about the saying of amen or I agree or yes in the spirit. It's not just, it's not just, we say, oh, well, I just, I'm saying it in my mind. No, if, if you look at this Greek word, it's pretty, it's pretty, he's saying, listen, it, he doesn't say together with your mind. He says together with the sound or with a voice. There's something about, my grandfather told me this when I was young. He said, Greg, there's something about praying out loud. There's something about speaking the word of God. There's something about saying it. When you do that, I don't know, there's something happens. Faith cometh by hearing. As I speak those things, faith is impiled in me. And I begin to move past where I am. And I begin to move in a new direction. So this morning, as we come together for this prayer time, What I want you to do is if you have a need this morning, you need a healing in your body. I want you this morning to stand as an act uh, in coming into alignment with, with what the Spirit of God has already done by us partaking of Christ. If you need a healing in your body, I don't it doesn't matter what it is. I'm gonna I'm we're gonna pray over you this morning, and we're gonna pray that the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that the power of God was present to heal the sick. He's still here today. He hasn't changed. The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Gerald, I'm going to ask you to go over with Daryl and place your hands upon him. I would like some ladies to gather around Emma and some of the ladies in the back and Jeff over here. I would like you guys just to gather around. We're a body of Christ. It doesn't matter if it's your first time. You go gather around them right now. I want you to place your hands upon them. Place your hands on our sister right here. If it could, men with men and ladies with ladies, but, but it doesn't have to be. Just We're going to pray for one another right now. I'm going to ask you to come into agreement. I'm going to ask you guys to speak, to sound off right now in the name of Jesus. 
Heavenly Father, right now. God, we just come into agreement right now. God, we have seen your hand at work. We have seen the power of God in these last couple days and weeks. And Lord, this morning, as we come together right now, in the name of Jesus, God, I ask that the healing virtue of God this morning would be present to heal the sick. God, that you would set captives free in the name of Jesus right now. In the name of Jesus, I ask for healing over bodies right now. In the name of Jesus, God, we ask for Daryl right now. In the name of Jesus, touch him, I pray, in your name right now. God, heal that heart right now. That irregular beat, bring it into alignment right now with the Spirit of God. Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus. I'm going to ask you guys, say yes. I want you to say yes in agreement right now. God, we come into agreement. You said where two would come into agreement right now in the name of Jesus over Joanne, over Emma, over my sister over here, over Jeff in the back right now. In the name of Jesus, God, we agree together right now. You said if we would come into agreement, we could see the hand of God work. So Lord, we come into agreement right now. I ask, Lord, for the healing virtue of God right now to touch. And Lord, I'm going to go in another step. Lord, those this morning, Lord, who have an addiction, in the name of Jesus right now, God, whether it's cigarettes, whether it's alcohol, whether it's prescription drugs, right now, in the name of Jesus, I bind and rebuke those things right now. Lord, I pray that the release of the power of God upon people's lives, Lord, that they can be free before you right now, in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord, there's healing in your presence, God. We've come for your anointing. We've come for your Holy Spirit this morning, Lord. 
God, we just wait upon you. We, Lord, we know that you are the healer. You said by your stripes we are healed in the name of Jesus. Lord, that was not just a physical healing, but it's spiritual, it's emotional. Lord, you came to set captives free this morning in the name of Jesus. Lord, set us free in you, in your name. Hallelujah, Lord. This morning, I have a very, very, very short little exhortation I'm going to give you guys. One of the Nazca boys told me last night, he said, um, we worshipped and we prayed for an hour and we were done and we were walking out and he goes, hey, aren't you going to preach too? And I, I said, you haven't had enough? He goes, no, I'm ready to get going. I'm not going to do that to you this morning, but what I want you to understand this morning is this. We have to decide what we're going to be. Whether we're going to be a cruise ship or a battleship. What is, our, what is your church today? Is it a cruise ship? Do I come in and want good entertainment? Do I... Does the pastor have my needs in mind? Is he thinking about me? What about his crew? Are they servicing me? Do I like what they have for me here? Are they taking care of old number one, me? Is my experience pleasant? Do I like the accommodations? If I don't, well, this may not be the place for me. You know, there's a lot of churches out there, and I need to find the one that suits me and my family and makes me happy. But if you look in the book of Acts, what did that church look like? Did it look like a cruise ship? Or did it look more like a battleship? What are we here on the earth to accomplish? What is our purpose? What is our mission? Does my pastor hear from God? Does he seek God's face? Is he called? Is he equipped? Is he empowered to do the work of the Lord? I ask you this morning, what are we here at Pleasant Valley? I'm not talking about the church as a whole. The greater church of Springville, I know the Lord is already doing a work there. But what are we? Are we a cruise ship? Or are we a battleship this morning? choice is up to us. You say, well, Greg, that sounds a little radical. Okay, well, let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather he tries to please his commanding officer. How about Ephesians 6, 12, for where struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Does this sound like a battleship? Does this sound like that Paul was talking about something that, that was going on in the spiritual realm? How about, 
How about 2 Corinthians 10.4? The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Ephesians 6.10 Finally, be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. See, if you look at all these scriptures, there's a common theme that Paul talked about. He finalized it with this. He said, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Was, the, was Paul mistaken or did he understand there was something more to this life? That it wasn't about just pleasing myself. The question I have for you today is, what are we going to be? Where are we going to go? What is our direction going to be? I understand that trying to turn a large ship, it takes some time. It takes some acreage. But I'm determined to be the captain of a battleship I am not a captain of a cruise ship. If you want a cruise ship captain, you have found the wrong guy. If you want to see guns blasting off, you have found the right guy. Ooh, hey, we're getting it. That's what I... You guys are getting it. See, Paul... He understood that this existence was a battle. He used terms like warfare, wrestling, fighting the good to fight to define what we have to do and how we're to engage the enemy. We choose by being here. We are choosing to be warriors, not patrons. Listen, God can give you, I can give you, addresses for churches that will make you happy. I will give you addresses that will churches that will cater to you. But I will tell you this, if you want to be an army for God, if you want to be pressing, you want to shatter the gates of hell, I'm telling you that this is where we're go- this is where we're going. This is our direction. If you're with me, then I say, you know what? Let's go together. My job is not to entertain, but my heart but my heart today is to deliver your soul to heaven. My job is not to entertain you, but my job is to to carry you, carry your soul to heaven. I will tell you this, if you go to any church and that pastor is not delivering your soul to heaven, that he does not have your eternal existence in mind. He is thinking about the here and now and what it means for this moment. I take it seriously. I take this mission with fervency, not lightly. I'm not interested in building a big church, but I am interested in building a fighting machine that can rattle the gates of hell, set captives free, and deliver the souls of those entrusted to me to heaven. I have no other goal. I have no other purpose on this life. To get you through those pearly gates, that is my destiny. And I tell you this morning, the Bible says that it is a, is a narrow gate. It is not the wide path getting through that gate. David Platt said it like this to his church. And you and I are right in the middle of it. Verse 5. Preaching Christ. And this is where we have got to decide who we are. In the late 1940s, the government 
the United States commissioned the SS United States. It was an $80 million troop carrier built for the Navy. It was designed to carry 15,000 troops into war. The fastest, most reliable troop carrier in the world. It could go 10,000 miles without having to stop for fuel or supplies. It could outrun any other ship. Go anywhere in the world in less than 10 days. The only catch was it never carried any troops. It was put on standby once during the Cuban Missile Crisis, but it was never used in all of its capacity by the U.S. Navy. Instead, it became known as a luxury liner for presidents, heads of state, and celebrities. Now, as a luxury liner, it couldn't carry 15,000 troops. Just under 2,000 passengers could enjoy the luxuries of 695 staterooms, four dining salons, three bars, two theaters, five acres of open deck with a heated pool, 19 elevators, and the comfort of the world's first fully air-conditioned passenger ship. Instead of a vessel for battle used during the trenches of wartime, the SS United States became a means of indulgence for wealthy patrons who wanted to coast peacefully across the Atlantic seas. And I'm convinced that we need to answer a central question in the church today. And that question is, are, are we as the church a troop carrier? Or are we a luxury liner? Are we a troop carrier or are we a luxury liner? Because things look radically different on a troop carrier than they do on a luxury liner some critical differences. Our demeanor will be different. The faces of soldiers that are preparing for battle look a lot different than the faces of patrons enjoying their bonbons. Our use of resources will be very different. The conservation of resources on a troop carrier contrasts sharply with the liberal opulence of a luxury liner. And our pace will be different. The pace at which a troop carrier moves is by necessity much faster than a luxury liner. After all, a troop carrier has an urgent mission to accomplish. The luxury liner is free to enjoy the ride along the way. I am convinced that in the church, in our day, we have settled into an understanding of the church as luxury liner. The church exists to make me feel comfortable, to adjust to my preferences, and cater to my desires. And in the process, we have lost sight of an eternal battle that is waging around us. And we have a crucial decision before us, church. Are we going to indulge ourselves in the peaceful comforts of this world? Or are we going to engage ourselves in battle for peoples around the world? This is the question I am convinced we face in the church in our day. And I want to call you tonight to get on board a troop carrier and to give your life to defeating an adversary and taking the gospel of a kingdom to the ends of the earth, no matter what it costs you. That's the question for us today. Just so you know, he's a Baptist minister, in case you thought he was Pentecostal and kind of crazy or something. <laughs> today, what's our course of action? I'm going to give you the first course of action, and we're going to do that right now. This morning, it's interesting to me that Sherilyn didn't even know that she was, when she made up the... Uh, the newsletter 
She put in there a part about the persecuted church. This week and next week is um, the time that we're going to be praying. That there we have. Uh, there's actually been time dedicated to praying for the persecuted church all around America. This morning, I want you to meet a man, and then after this little video shows him, after his introduction, I want you to begin. I want you to keep your eyes open because there's going to be continued video of of the persecuted church around the world. I am going to pray, but I'm going to ask you once again. This is your chance. Pray in agreement. Come into agreement. Say yes. Yes, I'm praying for them. And then in your bulletin, there is an insert about how you can shows you how to pray and what to pray over the persecuted church. I, you'll be surprised when you see the maps that come up in just a few moments of where the perse- how many people in this in the world are being persecuted. This morning, I want you to know, meet Pastor Sahid Abedini. that empty Christmas settings were placed during Christmas as a reminder of my imprisonment and those in prison for Christ, tears of joy filled my eyes. I was able to share about this with other prisoners and they were shocked by the love and support we have for each other in Jesus. I told them how in the Bible we are all considered brothers and sisters, despite race, color, or nationality, and we are able to share in each other's pains. This comes from our Lord. The Word of God says that when we are persecuted for our faith, we are to count it all joy. When I think that all of these trials and persecutions are being recorded in heaven for me, my heart is filled with complete joy. The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Without the joy of the Lord, we cannot live. It is this joy in our life that gives us strength to continue in this life. Without strength, we cannot continue the work of the Lord, and without joy, there is no strength. I always wanted God to make me a godly man. I did not realize that in order to become a godly man, we need to become like steel under pressure. It is a hard process of warm and cold to make steel. This is the process in my life today. One day I am told I will be freed and allowed to see my family and kids on Christmas, which was a lie. And the next day I am told I will hang for my faith in Jesus. One day there are intense pains after beatings and interrogations. The next day they are nice to you and offer you candy. These hot and cold days only make you a man of steel for moving forward and expanding his kingdom. I am looking forward to the day I can see all of you who are behind me with your prayers and to embrace you in my arms. Thank you for the love you have shown me. What is in us is stronger than what is in the world, and it has conquered the world. Pastor Saeed Abendini, in chains for our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know if I could be as strong as he is. But God, for those this morning, God, those that are in chains, God, those who are being persecuted, truly persecuted, we don't know what persecution looks like in this country. God, those whose lives hang in the balance today, God, I pray for the strength. I pray for the courage. 
I pray, God, that they would be able to withstand. That's their prayer. They don't pray, Lord, let me be free. Their prayer is every single time, just help me to stand in the midst of this. Help me to have the courage and the strength. Heavenly Father, this morning, we cry out for those. God, we cry out for our brother Sahid, Pastor Sahid, who just for his faith in Christ is imprisoned in Iran. Lord, we come to agreement right now. We come into agreement. God, we come in this this little church. God, making our force known by becoming a battleship this morning. By saying, God, we will pray. We will get on our knees. We will stand, God, in the gap for those who can't do it on their own. God, even in the midst of all those things around us, God, I pray that we would begin to understand, Lord, that this world, God, is being influenced by the enemy so strongly. But God, in the midst of that, your power is being made present. Your power is present. Your power is working in the lives of individuals. God, I pray that you would give them the strength, the courage, the ability to stand. To stand in the face of affliction. To stand in the face of persecution. God, when we, even for a moment, think we've got it bad, that you will remind us, as you do me, Sahid would take one day in my shoes over any day in his. My worst day would be joyful for him, God. So Lord, we take this command seriously. You told us in Hebrews 13.3 to remember them. We join together with them today. We thank you for it, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. is is as we leave we'll probably turn around we'll get focused back on ourselves my prayer is Lord don't let us forget don't let us forget let's all stand majesty Sing it.